cannabis topics in less than 10 minutes. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Christine Smith, CEO and founder of Groon. Christine, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. What was the inspiration and what kind of led you to kind of going down and experimenting while you're an architect with starting to make some of those early products? You know, I'll tell you the truth. I mean, I'm a fourth generation Texan. I was in my upper 30s. I had never seen a cannabis plant or touched it in my entire life. I was a young single mother, recently divorced. I needed a side hustle. So in the medical days, you could could grow as a caregiver with cards for patients. And so I started doing that in my basement as, uh, and I started learning more about the plant. I fell in love with the plant, really realized pretty quickly that I was not a smoker, but I was looking for an alternative to alcohol um, as a young mother that on a microdose level, um, and there were no products like that. Everything was like, Cheeto-induced hangovers on the couch for nine hours at a time. You know, Mylar-wrapped, cell- or cellophane-wrapped Rice Krispie treats that that were made with can of butter and stuff. So I just started experimenting. And pretty quickly, you know, at the time I was using RSO. That was the only thing available. Distillate didn't even exist back then. And pretty quickly discovered that chocolate was a really, really good match for, for RSO and especially dark chocolate and salt and some of these other flavors. And, and I, I've always loved creating and culinary aspects of things. And I don't know, I just wasn't afraid. I reached out to a chocolatier. I apprenticed under one, flew to the East Coast and, and just kind of dove into it and um, just started this little company as a, as a side gig. I love it. So let's stay with those early days. Obviously, there was a point in your career when you realized this was more than just a side hustle, <laughs> hobby, and you were going to make that transition full time. Yeah. Through that conversation you had internally, and then with the people around, and like was there oh. any hesitation going through that when you first made that move. You know what? I think my dad just about all his hair fell out. Right. So he was he was like, "You're doing what? You're giving up this career in architecture?" You know, I was a junior partner at my firm. To do what? Um, yeah, no, I, you know, there was no hesitation for me. I really believe, you know, the, the at the time, Oregon had passed adult use. So we knew this was coming on. And I just, you know, I saw it as an opportunity. And so I cashed in my stock options at my architecture firm and took all the money and bought a tempering machine and leased a little space and did all the construction work myself and just kind of dove in. And really, that's where it started. But you guys, it's, these were the early days when you could start a cannabis company with $50,000. So let's talk about your expansion strategy, entering new markets. I know your team takes a slightly different approach than some of the other out there, which allows your team to kind of control some of the inputs and the variables, but at the same time makes it rather expensive. I'd like you to kind of expand on that for our listeners unfamiliar. Yeah. So most companies and brands such as ours go into a market under a licensing deal where they, which is more of a traditional model that you'll see um, in regardless of in any industry, right? So you license your IP and you give your recipes to someone and then that company in another state makes the product and sells it under their license and puts it out on the shelves. That's the way most, most people do things. We are one of only a very small handful of companies that are doing what we call a reverse licensing deal. So we actually will go in and we will operate. If we can have our own license, we will we will get it. Um, but in a lot of states, you 
uh, an individual manufacturing one isn't attainable or it's too expensive. We will find someone that has a license um, and we will, in theory, lease back space from them. So we will go in and we will build out space under their license, bring in our people, our packaging. We will work under their license. Um, so it's it's really no burden to the license. They're collecting they're collecting the the royalty for allowing us to operate under their license. And while that's it is more expensive, it's a capital investment in the markets that we're going to um, you know, a, a significant capital investment. And we're taking the burden of actually taking our teams and shipping stuff all over the place and managing deliveries. What we found is it gives us the ability to to really control and have a pulse on what's happening out there at the at the retail side and and both with our products um, and and to be able to double down when we need to because um, we're in control. So it's been really successful. Um, you know, I'd say it's a slower progression than a traditional licensing model because it's hard to do more than two or three of these a year. Um, just simply by the amount of infrastructure and time that it takes. Because, I mean, you're literally going to the moon and building your own house and setting it up every single time um, from scratch. So it's, you know, it's a lot of work, but it sure is fun. We're having a good time. What's the future roadmap for? I know you kind of teased out that you were experimenting with some other minor cannabinoids. Is anything you can share? Anything consumers that are big fans of your products can expect for, let's say, in the future or maybe when Maryland comes online? Yeah, for sure. So we, you know, we're really excited. All our products in Oregon are now made with rosin. So we're really excited about that. We see rosin products and and more, you know, terpene products being kind of, see, you know, it's interesting where the market went, right? It was RSO was initially that it went to distillate where everything was super clean. And now it's getting more educated and people are really more interested in the plant itself. And so we're seeing, you know, the, the market mature, um, which is really exciting. We are are experimenting with THCV. Really excited about about that. There's, you know, some other minor cannabinoids. Right now, everything is still really expensive. And so it becomes really challenging to bring it out. You know, we're at such a scale of a company right now that we have to have a repeatable, dependable source that we're able to bring some, you know, I mean, we need kilos of this stuff on a dependable basis. Um, and that's really challenging with with where a lot of these, like these newer development things. So it's a lot of it's in development stage and and early testing, but it, it just, this industry moves so fast that um, I think we'll see more of that. Are there any elements or approaches that your team is implementing that you feel should receive more recognition? You no, know, I think we've been really, and we will continue to be really innovative with, with the cannabinoids. We, we, we pivot very quickly. And our ability to control our destiny in these markets allows us the privilege to do that. When you got started in the cannabis space, what did you get right? And most importantly, what did you get wrong? The biggest thing that I got right was not taking money and staying very lean and and scrappy initially, right? I mean, I think particularly in, in the market today, you can look at it. It's really, really challenging for any company in the cannabis space to start out of the gates with debt and be able to make it. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just isn't, it's just a really challenging industry. So, you know, I, I did not take money. I hired an accountant to come on early on. So we started, you know, we were just really above board. Um, and that really set us up for for success. What did I get wrong? I didn't start gummy early enough. And we focused on CBD when, uh, you know, 2017, 18, when we really should have been focusing on, on, on TAC. You could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation. What would it be? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
to, to conquer your dreams. Like people are so timid sometimes and it may not be the right decision, but just make a decision. Just do something because because just just keeping the momentum going. And it's really, that's what I, I see so much is, is that this younger generation, I see it in my daughter who's in college is there's especially particularly with social media and everything that's happening, people get paralyzed by fear and and the and and paralyzed that, and afraid that they might do something wrong or that it might not work out right and you know you just can't be afraid to 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 fail because that's 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 how you grow and you get better you get better and better and you make less mistakes as you go what trends do you predict will shape the future of the edible market and how is your brand adapting to stay ahead of the curve Oh, targeted effects. So products that are targeting uh, actual solutions, right, to issues, because that's large consumer base are taking those. Um, I do think we're going to see a shift back into um, rosin and resin products, um, solventless products, um, just like the shift into organic foods happened, natural organic foods, we're going to see that shift start to happen. And I think we're going to see gummies continue to dominate. Um, Lastly, I think we're going to see the edible market continue to take over and grow. And uh, I predict that within 10 years time, this is far out there right now. Right now, edibles are about somewhere between 13 to 17% of any market that you're looking at. I predict that within five years, edibles are 25% of the average market in any legalized state. Christine, for our listeners, they want to get in touch. They want to learn more and they want to buy groomed products in the future. Where can they find you? Well, you can find us in Oregon, Arizona, Nevada, uh, Oklahoma, Missouri, all over Canada. Here in the summer, probably around August. So I think we'll launch in August. You'll be able to find us in Maryland. Woo! Excited about that. Um, yeah, New Jersey. Um, hopefully, we're able to get that launched Q4. Um, we do have a license in New Jersey, so we're we're uh, working on construction and through the through the New Jersey process right now which is which is lengthy. So yeah, more more states coming on. We're we're constantly looking at deals and looking at states and looking at opportunities. Um I say it's really important for us every community that we go into that we dedicate our team fully and completely so we're really committed to the markets that we enter and making sure that we you know really really commit to them. We we'll appreciate that. Thanks so much for taking time. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so much fun, you guys. Thank you. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.